Well, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? 14 of you are doing great. The rest of you are thinking about it, right? My name is Kyle. We are so glad you're here today. We are in week four of our series called In the Crosshairs. And so today will be our final message on the series. And uh, our prayer is that God has been using what we've been talking about and what we've been looking at in God's Word just to open our eyes to what our enemy who is Satan, is up to, and uh, how we need to be on guard and how we need to realize that he is consistently and constantly sending assassins our way to destroy our character, destroy our families, to destroy our relationships, uh, to destroy anything he can about us because he hates us. Um, If by chance you're sitting there and you're thinking about uh, this whole deal and you're like, "Ah, I'm good, everything's great in my world, I don't need any help with all this stuff, You might want to jump back to week one as we talked about pride because pride always comes before the fall and you need to be on guard against this stuff and not think that you're not susceptible because you are. Um, The last couple weeks we've talked about really difficult, uh, I think, um, subjects and one of those was lust and the other was anger. And I'm hearing back from a lot of parents that because of those two sermons on lust and on anger, some conversations have been happening in your house. Guess what I say to that? Yes. Right, Those kind of things need to be talked about in your home. Your, parent, your, your kids need to hear you uh, talk about your struggles and how you're on guard and how it takes the Holy Spirit to guide you, direct you, and protect you. And they need to be talking about this stuff from a godly perspective. And so it's just absolutely great that that's happening. In fact, I heard from a couple of parents that on their way home, um, their kids diagnosed them. If you recall last week on anger, we talked about being a volcano or being a snow cone or going with toxic waste or a microwave as ways you can react with anger. I had one parent that told me their kids told them that they were a toxic snow cone. We put them together. The thing is, the parent didn't push back on it one bit. They said that's exactly what I am. Again, if these conversations are happening in your home, if they're happening with your spouse, If they're happening with your friends, if they're happening with your HC groups, man, we love it. We want to be talking about the hard stuff and not going through this alone and being on guard against these assassins that are against us that want to take us out. Well, today we're going to talk about greed. We're going to talk about greed. and Greed is another one of those character assassins that uh, sneaks up on us. We don't really see it coming, but there it is. Um, In fact, I would suggest to you that greed is the sneakiest of all the assassins that are out there. In fact, as one butler put it so succinctly, never underestimate my sneakiness. Anyway, greed is really, really easy to see in somebody else. You can see it from a mile away, can't you? You know who the greedy people are in your life. In fact, before you asked them to lunch, you knew how it was going to go down. You knew that there was going to be some way they were going to figure out how to not pay for lunch, right? Oh, I forgot my wallet. I'm so sorry. If you don't mind, I'll get it next time. And in the back of your head, you're like, that's what you said last time, right? And you may be following it up with, this is the last time. And, man, we can see greed from a mile away. Um, Anybody like that in your life? Maybe, maybe, just maybe. Any family members maybe kind of greedy in your life? Maybe talks about money all the time. It can go one of two ways. Either they're saying stuff like, woe is me, I don't have this, and i got to do that, and whoa, whoa, whoa. Or look at me and all the money I've got. Look at my new toy. Look at all my stuff. Money, money, money. If you don't have somebody in your family that's talking about money all the time, bless you, great on you. Make sure that person's not you. Okay, make sure that person's not you. Greed sneaks up on us. 
We can see it in everybody else, but so many times it's hard to see in our own life. You got anybody in your life that just considers themselves to be entitled? I'll suggest this to you. If you have someone in your life that considers themselves to be entitled, it is very likely you gave life to them. <laughs> Dad, they always get a new pair of shoes. Why don't I get a new pair of shoes? Dad, everybody's got a cell phone. Why don't I get a cell phone? I can tell you why, and I would be right. But I'm afraid some of you would disagree with me. You would find my kids and y'all would gang up on me and try to come at me and help them get a cell phone. They still ain't getting one. But anyway, they just think they're deprived, man. Like I'm a mean dad, right? Like just, man, what's up with that? I deserve, right? I should get this. How about this? I need this in my life. And it's only our kids that say that kind of stuff, right? You're grown. You don't say that stuff anymore. I, I need, right? Wow. Anyway, it's easy to spot in other people. It's hard to see our own greed. Uh, The reason why I think it's so easy to see greed in others and hard to see in ourselves is it's just a natural thing. It's easier for us to see and point out flaws in other people than in ourselves. We are blind to ourselves so many, many times. Listen to me. Greed might build a society, but it will never build your family. Greed will never build, uh, excuse me, greed might build a portfolio, but it will never build your character. One thing I've noticed, too, about this whole idea of greed is that a lot of times there's confusion between ambition and greed. Confusion. So I want to talk about this a little bit and talk about what the difference is between ambition and greed. And I'm going to give you a, more of an answer in just a moment, but I want to write down just this quick answer, and that is this. Ambition is good. Greed is bad. Ambition is good. Greed is bad. For instance, if you go to work every day and you work hard to provide for your family, that is the outflow of ambition. That is awesome. That is a good thing. Continue to do that. Continue to be ambitious in that way. Uh, Maybe you're bettering yourself through education or other means to move up in your company or in your field or your profession. That is good. That is ambition. Continue on. If you're building your business right now through hard work, creativity, and ingenuity, that is a good, good thing. In fact, I want to encourage you to be ambitious, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But here's where it turns bad, and here's what I want you to get. Greed is where possessions displace people. That's when it moves from ambition to I want to move forward, I want to provide, I want to be a blessing, I want to be a help, I want to accomplish things so I can do other things, and it moves over into everything is about stuff, and all this stuff is for me. Greed is where possessions displace people. It becomes all about you. You find yourself loving stuff, listen to me, loving stuff and using people. When you are loving stuff and using people, you have definitely entered into this dangerous, dangerous territory of greed. And it's got its sights set on you to take you out. When you start saying things out loud or just subconsciously, like I am my provider, I take care of me, it's all about me. Man, you have moved, moved, moved into this arena, this dangerous place of greed. Let me give you what I think is the foundation of greed. Foundation of greed is fear. My greed, your greed, the underlying thing is is fear. 
I'm fearing that something won't be there for me. And so I have moved into this idea of now I'm going to be the one that's going to fix it. I'm going to be the one that's going to provide for. It's this idea of fear that I won't have enough. Now, if we go back a few decades or maybe we go far enough away around the world, uh, this might be a conversation we're having about food. But we live in Benton, Arkansas, and for most of us in this room, uh, food's not the issue for us, right? Like, we got plenty of that. We got plenty of food. Maybe in our culture today, it looks more like things like shoes and guns. In fact, I posed the question in our staff meeting, how many triggers can you pull at the same time? Here's what I got. No joke. One person did this. It's exactly what they did. What is it, this fear that you won't have enough of? Maybe for you, it's uh, you're just afraid you'll never have enough square feet. Maybe it's a fear that you won't have enough toys. Man, I'm talking to you again. I won't have enough zeros in my bank account. Now, zeros are awesome, right, if there's a number in front of it, right? Like if there's a, a whole number in front of it. We, when there's a whole number in front, we want as many zeros as we can get, right? We want that. Will there ever be enough? Um, for some of you, it comes down to things like having enough likes on your social media stuff, having enough power, just in general, having enough for the future. So this idea of fear that I won't have enough. The next thing is this fear that I won't be enough, okay, fear that I won't be enough. Uh, what do people think about me? What's their perception? What's my identity? What's my position? Uh, how much clout do I have? How, how much, how much, what, what's the view of other people for me? Fear that I won't be enough. You're worried consistently about what other people think about you. And you think, if I can get this, then they will think that I have arrived. And then you get that, and then you realize you need more of that, or you need more of something else. And we think that if we don't have this or we don't have that, they'll think that we're a loser, that we haven't made it yet. We're consistently worried about our own thoughts of ourselves, our own view of ourselves. Again, if I could just get that, then I would feel like I have enough. I would feel like I've become who I wanted to be. And we get it, and we need more. And this fear that if I don't have it, I'll feel like I'm losing, like I didn't get where I wanted to get. We're constantly thinking about what other people think about us, and we're constantly thinking about what we think about ourselves. And I'm going to suggest to you that too many times we forget, totally are oblivious to what God thinks about us. We forget his view of us. We, we forget that we are talking about the one who declares with his voice, with his word and with his son, that he loves us infinitely and eternally, and that when he views us, he sees us as his most prized possession. He views us with a value above everything else, and he says, I love you, and this is where the more word gets beautiful. I love you more than you can imagine or think that's what God thinks about you, but you're consumed with what other people think about you, and you're consumed with what you think about yourself, and you've potentially forgotten what God thinks about you. You've forgotten how he cares for you and how he loves you. Well, if God does love us more than anything else, 
Let's begin now to look and see what he says about this whole issue of greed and some other things we want to talk about this morning. Look at Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. And we're going to look at a few more passages this morning. I want to spend just a minute here in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. I want us to catch the end of the verse. And at the end of the verse, it says, remember the words of Jesus. And so this isn't um, some church guy writing this down. This isn't some just, uh, you know, religious leader. Um, This isn't me writing this down. This isn't my idea. This is what Jesus says. And here's what Jesus says. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Would you read that with me? It is more blessed to give than to receive. These are the words of Jesus who knows everything. Like there's nothing that gets past him. There's nothing he hasn't thought through. There's no wisdom that he does not have access to. And in all of that knowledge and in all of that wisdom, he declares that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Hey, by the way, our culture is catching on. They're starting to catch up with this. I was watching a football game last night and a Lexus commercial came on. They are figuring out. Guess what they said on the Lexus commercial last night? The only thing better than getting a Lexus is to give a Lexus. That's what they said. Maybe they warped it just a little bit, right, for their own good. But Jesus says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I want to give you this big idea. Put it in your notes there. Greed is a big deal. Generosity should be a big deal. Greed is a big deal, and you got to be on guard about that. Generosity should be a big deal. If you are maybe wondering why greed is a big deal, I want us to look again at Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5. We read it in our worship time this morning. And I want you to notice what verse 5 says. Man, it is just powerful, powerful stuff. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 5. It says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. So again, we got this lurking idea. that has got this assassin creeping up on us, ready to take us out. It goes on to say, have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. It's a big, big deal. Then it says, don't be greedy. Okay, great. But it goes on to tell us why we shouldn't be greedy. Look at what it says. For a greedy person is an idolater. Whoa, wait just a minute. So like if I'm greedy... I'm involved in idolatry. I thought idolatry was like on the other side of the world. They carved out these funny shapes of people. They had big bellies, and they bowed down to them. It was just weird and funny, and we can make fun of them. And yet the Word of God says that my greed is a sign of idolatry in my heart. A greedy person is an idolater worshiping what? The things of this world giving all of our time, all of our attention, everything we can to get that stuff because we think that that stuff is going to provide for us what we need. We think it's going to bring our satisfaction. We think it's going to bring our security. We think it's going to bring our happiness. We think that it is going to provide for us. And the Word of God says if you're greedy, then you are an idolater. Now, how many of you want to, like, just, you know, leave here today and say, hey, man, I went to church today and found out I was an idolater? Well, wait, we, left, we, we left church to tell somebody we were an idolater. It's, it's serious, right? It's a big deal. Greed is a big, big deal. Jesus addresses it more, and we're going to continue to talk about this whole idea because we want generosity to be an even bigger, bigger deal. Look at Luke chapter 12, and this is where we want to spend our time this morning. Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse number 13. 
Luke chapter 12 and verse 13. It says, then someone called from the crowd. So what we've got going here, we've got a crowd of people. I would suggest probably more people in the area, in the spot where Jesus was, probably than even this moment right here. There were probably a few hundred people. Um, Jesus was probably in front of them in some shape, form, or fashion. They might have been in a circle all the way around him. I don't know. Jesus would have to project his voice to teach and talk, and he's been doing that. Well, in the midst of some of his teaching and his talking, it says here that someone from the crowd, and in, in my mind, I imagine it's kind of somebody towards the back, and they kind of have to raise their voice, and it's kind of, it's kind of a little bit awkward, but they go for it. And they say this. They say, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Do you get what's going on here? we got a grown dude still going at it with his brother or sister, right? Like, it makes me lose a little bit of hope for my kids. You know, I'm hoping they'll grow out of some of their stuff, right? Hoping they'll grow out of it. And then I see grown people dealing with Have you ever noticed when somebody dies, things get really, really messy? It does. It does. Be on guard against greed if you lose a loved one. Be on guard against greed if you lose a loved one. And so he poses this question to Jesus. He's like, man, i got an issue. Will you straighten it out for me? Verse 14. Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Now think about who's saying this. Jesus who created, sustains the whole universe, kind of sets himself to the side for just a moment, lets them ponder this idea, who do you think I am? Why do you think I'm the judge? Can we agree, like, in the end, Jesus is the judge, right? Like, he gets the right to decide everything. And in this moment, he says, you know what? I probably could place judgment on that, but let's talk about something deeper. Look at the next verse. It says, then he said, beware Guard against every kind of greed. So the guy's like, hey, help me settle this issue. And Jesus is like, we need to talk about a deeper issue. We need to talk about greed. He says, guard against every kind of greed. And then Jesus makes this declaration. Life is not measured by how much you own. Life is not measured by how much you own. Other translations would say it this way. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Now, this, this statement, this declaration that life is not measured by how much you own. How many of us in the room, listen to me, how many of us in the room know that's true? We know that's true, but as we just blow through our busy lifestyle, we struggle to remember that's true on the day-to-day. I'm raising my hand. I know it's true but I get going and I get taking care of this and I get taking care of that and I got to pay this bill and I got to think about retirement and I got to think about kids' college and I got to think about buying new shoes and all that stuff. And I forget that life is not measured by how much you own. It's this idea that if we buy into it, we think in the end how much stuff we've accumulated determines our legacy and our impact. And Jesus is like, life is not measured by how much you own. That's not how it's measured. Jesus goes on in verse 16. Then Jesus, he told them a story. I always get excited when Jesus tells stories because Jesus tells great stories. He always tells incredible things that are fun. I also think he says some funny stuff. He always says things that we really can't fully comprehend and get, but he stretches us. And so here's what he says in verse 16. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. So what we've got here is a farmer that has, through whatever means, probably ambition, has accomplished a lot in his life. 
He is a rich man at this point. He is a blessed man at this point. He's got a lot. And I just want to remind you, nothing wrong with having a lot, okay? If right now business is good for you, if right now life is good for you, if right now that promotion just came in and, man, it's just kind of all hitting right now with your career and, and money seems to be good right now, nothing wrong with that at all. But you got to be on guard. Look at the next verse. He, meaning the rich man, said to himself. I want you to catch that. The rich man said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. So I think I'll call up one of those storage units and see if they have any room for me, right? Look at verse number 18. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods, and I'll sit back and say to myself, and look at what he calls himself, my friend. What? Let me tell you what's going on. This guy has entered into a level and a place of greed that has accomplished what it will accomplish in every single life if you go down the pathway of greed. It will find yourself, you will find yourself being very, very Lonely. Lonely. That's what it does. It won't leave you alone. It'll keep coming after you, but you will find yourself being very, very lonely. And you know how it works. If you've got a greedy friend, you eventually like just you dismiss yourself from them. You 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 create some distance because they're not about you, they're about their stuff. And if they can use you to get more stuff, they go for it. And so eventually there they are, that greedy person having a conversation with themselves getting counsel from themselves because there's nobody else around that can even speak to them anymore. So they call themselves friend. If the only friend you got is you, woo, come on now. You're in a lonely, lonely spot. Here's what it goes on to say. I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away. Enough. Wow, look at that. You have enough stored away for years to come. Everything is good. We're secure. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Look at what Jesus says in verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. Now, I don't know about you, I don't like being called a fool. Even if somebody's right, <laughs> I don't like being called a fool. Well, we know he's right because it's God speaking. And God declares him a fool. And so this guy's been very, very foolish. And then is what he goes on to say. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you work for? You got all this stuff, but you got nobody. You got all these belongings, but nobody belongs to you. You, you got all these possessions, but you got no people. You, you got all these accomplishments and no one to share it with, no one to bless with, no real legacy to leave because legacy is not found in stuff. Legacy is passed on to people. And yet this greedy guy, going to die that night, and Jesus says, who will get everything you work for? Verse 21. Yes, a person, this could be me, this could be you, so it's a warning. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. A person is a fool to just store up things for themselves and sit on the top of their pile and not have a relationship with God, which I would suggest to you that a relationship with God that is rich as it's talking about here is also going to be realized in rich relationships with other people. You're not going to be 
lonely. You're going to have a relationship with your father, and you're going to have a credible relationship with yourself, with, excuse me, with others, not just yourself, if you are not greedy. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a relationship with God. Greed is a big deal. Generosity should be a big deal. I want to give you three things to take with you this morning that if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're tracking with this and God's working on your heart about like, man, I don't want to be a greedy person. Even take out the idolatry part. Even if that's not even true, but it is. Like I don't want to be known as a greedy person, much less an idolater. I want, to be, I want to be a generous person. I want, to have, I want to have a rich relationship with God. I want to have a rich relationship with my spouse and with my kids and with my grandkids and the people that God puts around me. And I want generosity to be a big deal in my life. Let me give you three things to take away and to consider that if you will get on these things and do these things, we can look more like Jesus and we can potentially look like a generous person, be a generous person, and generosity can be a big deal in our life. First one is this. Ambition creates opportunity. Ambition creates opportunity. So it's this idea that as you work hard, as you further yourself, as you go up in the company or forward in your profession or build your business or whatever it looks like, that ambition is going to create opportunity for you. Now, it can go one of two ways, okay? Ambition can create an opportunity for you to become a greedy person. So you got to be on guard, right? If God is, is allowing you to get financial blessings right now, you need to be on guard to not get greedy. You need to understand that that ambition that comes from God in your soul that caused you to work hard and to go forward is creating an opportunity for you to become an incredibly generous person. That's the opportunity that's created. If your business is booming and growing, guess what you're having the opportunity to do? You're having the opportunity to employ and bless people who otherwise may not even have a job. That's an incredible outflow of ambition. Ambition is maybe going to create an opportunity for your kids to go to college one day. That's an incredible opportunity for them to go forth and to learn and to grow and to go on and do great things for God. Ambition creates opportunity. So again, I want to encourage you to be ambitious, but all of it, all of that going forward and growing and working in everything we do with this, with this knowing that it's got to be for the honor and glory of Jesus, not for our own self-consumption. And that's where we land a lot of times. Well, look at what I did. And that ambition all of a sudden flips over in from ambition and it, and it moves into greed really, really quick. And the next thing you know, we're all about our possessions we're not about people, we're not about Jesus, we're not about generosity, and we're finding ourselves actually being an idolater. But ambition creates opportunity. God can bless your ambition, but he won't bless your greed. We'll say that again. God can bless your ambition, but he can't bless your greed. Be ambitious and use those opportunities for his honor and for his glory. On this next one that we're about to talk about, if you're not a Christian, like you've never stepped across the line of faith and said, Jesus, I believe that I'm a sinner, and I believe that you're the Savior, and I want you to change me. If you've never stepped across that line of faith yet, this next one doesn't apply to you. You get a pass, okay? If you have stepped across this line, this next one you don't get a pass. If you're a believer, okay, if you're a believer, this one applies to you, and it's so very, very important. And hopefully in just a few moments that I talk, this is going to begin to illuminate your mind a little bit. I'm praying the Spirit of God will do that. The second thing you can do, a takeaway for you, okay, Tithing creates character. Tithing creates 
character. Let me explain this and make sure that everybody in the room understands what we're talking about here. A lot of times when we say the word tithe or tithing, a lot of people think about it in just these generic terms of giving or an offering. In other words, I'm at church, the bucket's going to pass, and when the bucket passes, I'm going to drop a little bit in there, and that's my tithe. Maybe not. Listen to me. The word tithe is very clearly defined, okay? It literally means a tenth, 10%. The idea of tithing that we get from God and His Word is for us to give back to Him 10% of what we earn, our income, His blessings, back to Him for the furtherment of His kingdom and His church. And in so doing, what we are saying to God is, God, I believe that 100% of what I have came from you. I believe that 100% of everything that I have came from you. You are my provider. And since you're my provider, I trust you. And since I can trust you, I'm going to give back to you for your kingdom work and for your kingdom's sake and for my generosity's sake to you, I'm going to give back to you 10%. That's what we call the tithe. Now listen to me. Some of you struggle with this, and I get it. You're struggling to trust God with your money. But I'm talking to believers, talking to believers. If you're a believer, think about what you've trusted Jesus with. You have trusted Jesus to take all, all of your sin and to cleanse you of it. You have trusted Jesus with your soul to the place that when you die... You are believing that he is going to take who you are, the essence of who you are, your soul, and he's going to give you a new body and a new home in heaven for eternity. And so we say that we trust him with our soul, and yet potentially when we do not give him the tithe, we are saying to him, I don't trust you with my money. So I'll trust you with eternity, but I won't trust you with my money. See, it doesn't really, it doesn't really match up, does it? Now, I just want you to know, as you come here every week, you're hanging out with a bunch of people that trust God. There are a lot of people in this room that trust God with their money. I just want to make it clear, too, your leadership here at this church, they trust God with their money. They, they, they show it um, by way of the tithe and so much more. Tithing creates character. And I know it's going to challenge you, but I'm here to tell you following Jesus is all about him challenging you. It's all about him stretching you. It's all about him making you from being a greedy person to a generous person. And one thing that unlocks that and is so very important for that is tithing. And man, I'm just telling you, tithing creates character. It shows faith, not fear. Remember, greed is based on fear. Giving and generosity based on faith. Next thing. Generosity creates connection. Generosity creates connection. What do do I mean by that? Let me give you some examples. Um, In just a few days, 16 of us from this church are going to load up on a plane, and we are going to make a trip to Peru. Why are we going to Peru? Neat country? Absolutely. Neat place to see? Yep. Fascinating food? Absolutely. Just all kinds of neat things about Peru. But let me tell you why 16 people are getting on a plane here in a few days. And let me tell you why there's a bunch more of you in this room that wish you could get on that plane too. Because of generosity. There are people in this room that have connection with a little bitty human being that Jesus created. And their name is something like Huber or Jose or um, uh, Rose or whatever their little name is. 
and we are sponsoring kids down there. We are being generous to them. God is using us as a conduit of his provision. He's the provider. He's possibly just using us as a conduit, and we're being generous. And I'm going to get to witness, because I've already met the kids that I sponsor, and I get to see them again, and I'm so excited about it. But I'm going to get to witness all these other people on this trip meet that little one, and it's going to be the coolest experience ever. It's one of those moments where, like, I've never seen you before live and in person, but here you are, and I already know you. I've invested in you. I love you. I'm for you. I'm praying for you. I want something for you. Generosity creates connection. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. We had somebody uh, recently that gave a big offering uh, to one of the ministries in our church. Uh, they gave a big offering to celebrate recovery. And it's a beautiful story of how all that came about. But they gave this big offering with tears going down their eyes. They were able to make this offering to celebrate recovery. Let me tell you something. Every life that Jesus changes through Celebrate Recovery, that family is going to have this incredible connection that you can't even explain. Why? Because generosity creates connection. What did we say earlier about greed, that story we read? I'm going to say to who? Myself. Greed leaves you alone. It, leaves you, it causes you to be lonely and by yourself. That's what it does. Generosity does this the opposite. It creates connection. It brings about relationships. It causes love to flourish. Generosity creates connection. It's a really, really beautiful thing. So I want to encourage you to consider something this morning. I want to encourage you towards generosity. And I want to quantify it this morning for you. And I don't know when it needs to happen for you this week or next month or the next, whenever. But I want to encourage you to figure this out and, and go with it and do this. I want to encourage you to consider. Let me quantify. I want to encourage you to consider being generous to someone who is in need, someone who needs a blessing right now, someone who needs some provision right now that God potentially wants you to be the conduit for. And I want you to do it to the equivalent of one car payment. I want you to consider being a blessing to someone or several people, doesn't make a difference, to the equivalent of one car payment for you. I want you to consider that. I want God to use that. I want God to stir that up within you for generosity. And as you figure out how to do that, and you make some changes, which we probably all need to make, and you figure out how to do that, you just, you just watch God work in your heart and work in your life. You see if he doesn't bring about some connection. You see if he doesn't start building some things in you that aren't currently there. Remember, generosity creates connection. Now, a couple questions for you to consider, and that is this. Um, assess your generosity in giving over the last 12 months. So think back, last year. Assess it. you got to do it more than just this moment, right? you got to take this home with you. What does your giving say about your heart? What does your giving say about your heart? I want you to consider that. Another thing I want to encourage you towards, and that is this. Pray about what it would look like. Pray about what it would look like for you to launch into a new level of generosity in the next 12 months. I don't know what that looks like for you. For some of you in the room, the tie of the conversation comes back into play with you, and, and you need to figure that out, and that needs to be the huge next step for you, and you just need to do that because that's what Jesus wants you to do. And that's and for some of you, man, like you've been tithing for a long time, and you're like, yes, I trust God, yeah, and he wants you to do something beyond that. I don't know what that looks like, but would you pray and just ask God what that looks like, what generosity looks like for you for the next 12 months. Months. Again, generosity creates connection. Look at Titus chapter 2 and verse 14. Titus chapter 2 and verse 14. He, meaning Jesus, gave 
his, say that word. Gave what? Gave his. Uh. That's deeper than your pocketbook, isn't it? That's deeper than your online account, right? Like, he gave his life to free who? Us from every kind of sin to cleanse us and to make us his very own people. Whether you've got something or don't got something, he don't care. He gave his life for you to make you one of his very own people. And out of us being his very own people, totally committed, us then and for us to be totally committed to doing good deeds. Listen, generosity creates connection. I have no connection with God the Father if it's not for Jesus giving his life for me. I can spend the rest of my life preaching and doing good things and getting baptized 14 million times and going to every class that I can go to and doing this and doing that. Listen, that will not achieve connection with the Father. Only Jesus can do it, and he gave everything that it required. He gave his very own life, and I have a relationship, a rich relationship with God because of the generosity of Jesus. And so listen to me, people, listen to me. If you haven't crossed that line of faith to place your trust in Jesus, he is trustworthy. You can trust him with your soul. You can trust him with your family. You can trust him. Well, this is going to get deep. You can trust him with your money. You can trust him. So this morning, would you trust him? Listen, if you're not a believer yet, know that Jesus gave his life for you. You can trust him. It creates connection with the Father. You get to be right with God through Jesus. If you're already a believer, specifically this morning, listen to me. If you're already a believer, listen to me. Specifically, trust God with your money. He's trustworthy. You've already trusted him with your soul. Trust him with your money and see what he wants to do in and through you for his honor and glory. And just experience the fun of generosity. Jesus said it. It's more blessed. It's way more fun. It's a way bigger deal to give than to receive. So this morning, what's he leading you to give? Maybe it's your heart to him in faith. Maybe it's some of your money. Maybe it's to someone else. I don't know what it is, but let's be willing to do it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word, which is truth. We thank you for this time in which you have reminded us and taught us about our enemy who hates us and how much you love us and how you want to protect us and how that you're there and how you've given us these incredible, incredible gifts, but none greater than Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your life being placed in our stead for our sin so that we could have connection with you, Father. We praise you and we thank you and we worship you and we pray for more people to pray with faith to receive you. And we pray that today will be that day for somebody to cross that line of faith and receive you as their Lord and as their Savior. And I pray as well for those of us who are already believers that we would live like it in faith. And God, whether that's another dollar you want us to give, that's another minute that you want us to give, whatever it is, that we'd be willing to be generous people so that we can look more like Jesus, who is generous. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.